This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hey, it's Andrew. I just wanted to jump in real quick and apologize for the sound quality in this episode. We had some technical difficulties while we were recording. Miles has a big, nice microphone that he loves to use, but on this episode, he decided to send it over to his laptop microphone instead. So it sounds a little bit different than normal, but hopefully not too bad that you notice it too much throughout the episode. There were also some issues with the second half of the podcast, our conversation with Bob Atwell from Nikolai Bank. Uh, I did my best to salvage the most important parts of it, but it's cut a little awkwardly towards the end. So bear with us this time. We were planning on having Bob back to talk more, but we were able to get the most important parts out of our conversation with him for this one, despite the file corrupting. But regardless, I think we have a really great episode for you today. Uh, Hope you enjoy, and I hope that you're not too distracted by some of the shortcomings this time around. Thanks, and we'll jump right into it. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. It is our like second beautiful day in a row as we're coming up on Memorial Day weekend. It, it's, a, it's a sign that the times are changing. We've got spring here fully in view and the weather is nice and it just feels good to be able to go outside and breathe fresh air. Yeah, and everything's opening up. It's kind of exciting. I mean, scary, yeah, but exciting. Like, just to walk it, around and see people setting up their patios and opening their doors and getting ready to hopefully safely welcome people. Right. Before we jump into like COVID-19 related discussion, I wanted to talk about the Fish Creek Highway construction. So this is something that we talked about a lot last year. It seemed like this and the high water was going to be the two big things we were going to be talking about constantly this summer. And uh, that ended up not being the case for obvious reasons. But they are still going on. Uh, highway construction is still going on. I believe the latest that I heard was that they are planning on wrapping things up by the 4th of July. Uh, but they are also going to be kind of relaxing restrictions on the detour this weekend, correct? Yeah. So um, right now, the established detour has sent people uh, down County A, down to Penn Players Road, and then over to Highway 42 to enter the downtown area of Fish Creek only from 42 from the south because they have like the major part of construction going up around the the hill by the gibraltar school intersection of county f and highway 42 right but for memorial day weekend they starting at noon on friday that will be relaxed so you will now be able to access uh downtown fish creek by county f so you still can't go straight from highway 42 from the north like from ephraim and sister bay you can't just take 42 all the way down into fish creek but you will be able to take County A and then out County F over. So it's only like a, a couple of minute difference instead of having to go all the way down south and around, which could take you 15 minutes extra. So right. difference is it's only a temporary detour. So originally in the plan, it was supposed to shift to that on Memorial Day weekend. And that would be the re- detour for the remaining weeks of construction. But there have now been some delays so that now on Next week, it's going to revert back to that previous detour for another couple of weeks. I I think that we should mention as well, too. So like when you're driving north on 42 and you're in Egg Harbor, you will see signs on the road that say road closed, right? 
That doesn't mean that you can't access Fish Creek. You can go all the way down the hill into downtown Fish Creek, access all of the businesses in that area up until, I believe, right after like Julie's and Wild Tomato, right? That's kind of where it closes down. And that section all the way up to uh, right past the Y is where the road is currently closed. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, the, the road is closed to through traffic and like you can't, you can't even access uh, 42 heading north that way. You can access a couple of those other businesses like O'Meara's Irish Shop and Gibraltar Grill um, and like the top of the hill shops. You could technically access those. You just can't continue on north into Ephraim and Sister Bay. Um, right. You can also access top of the hill shops off of Spring Road as well. Yes. So if you want to turn on Peninsula Players and then go Spring, you can get there really easily. You just can't then continue back on or go downtown, I believe, because I think Spring Road ends right in a road closure. So you won't be able to like go back into downtown from there. You'll have to go around. But you make a really good point about you're going to see those construction signs as early as like, I think the first one you see is at Main Street Market. And yeah. when you're driving through Egg Harbor, you're like, wow, I didn't know there was any construction in Egg Harbor. And there isn't. It's just that... For whatever reason, the, the Department of Transportation puts up those construction signs about 15 miles south of where the construction actually happens and then and where you're actually affected. So you would get the impression going through a harbor that you have to take a right. Otherwise, you can't go to, say, like the Door County Trolley or Wood Orchard or Edgewood Orchard. Like it gives you the impression that you can't get there. But there is still right. access. The highways open all the way to Fish Creek. Um, I don't know why they do it that way, honestly. It's it, and why they don't have some more clarifying signs right there. Well, I think maybe part of it is because, like, I know the sign that I see coming out of Egg Harbor all the time is one right by the post office. And you can turn there onto, you can turn there onto E and go to A and then bypass it that way. So that's that's a detour. Like, if you're going straight up to Sister Bay, you could you could start going there right away from Egg Harbor if you wanted to, right? Yeah. Or you could just take 57 the whole way up. But I think that that's why the signs are there, because they point out key places where you well, could I, start the detour. I get why they're there, because like technically they want like truck traffic to take the county trunk road. And right. it's just that why there isn't like more clarifying of like initial detour, open to business, keep going. Like that, It just seems like it's a one size fits all of like, here's the highway department. Here's how we do detours. And this is it. Instead of okay, it's a little bit different doing a detour on a eight-lane highway through Milwaukee versus a what is a glorified highway and really is just a small rural road in Door County. <laughs> it's frustrating to me. Um, and one other thing about it is the reason that there's this little delay now where there's like an extra two weeks, it's not actually because the DOT was delayed in doing the highway construction project. It's that Shortly before the project began, the town of Gibraltar added some work to the project that they had not previously planned for, or I think they might have assumed that the the state was doing. But the state, when the state redoes a highway, the state is only responsible for the highway portion, like literally the actual road portion, and then any other parts that they disrupt. So if they need to take out a part of the curb to access some underground sewer or something like that, they have to replace that curb or that piece of sidewalk, but they don't automatically do the whole sidewalk unless it's part of the larger town project that the town pays for. Gibraltar's planning didn't really account for that. So at the last second, they asked the construction companies if they could also squeeze in the sidewalk stuff. Otherwise, they were going to have this patchwork of here's a little bit of replaced sidewalk and here's the old one. And then here's a bit of replaced curb. 
and then 400 feet of the old curb. So they added that work kind of at the last second. And that has, so that the workers and the crews have been focused on knocking that out as quickly as possible. So it kind of set back the other highway resurfacing work. Right. If all of this is confusing to you, we do have maps, detour maps up on doorcountypulse.com that you can see. So I would check those out. They give a pretty good uh, outline of of where to go and how to get to what you want to get to. Um, But this weekend, hopefully things will be a little bit easier for people to get around. Uh, Just know that most things are accessible. Uh, You're just going to have to get creative with the, the roads that you take to get to them. Correct. So why don't we move on? Uh, on Tuesday, the Safer at Home order was lifted in Door County, and that was a, a day earlier than what we were expecting. If you listened to our last episode of the podcast, I came in from the future and had to kind of walk through that as it happened because we recorded not knowing what was going to happen, thinking about like what things are going to look like on Thursday. And then that afternoon, uh, everything was lifted, and there was a press release from Sue Powers that kind of went through um, what to expect and what to look at, as well as some general guidelines and stuff like that. Um, I, I want to talk about those guidelines a little bit, and I want to kind of break down what she said, but is is there anything about the the order being lifted on Tuesday or anything from the press release that stood out to you right away before we jump into that? Um, nothing that really stood out. Most of it was stuff I was expecting to come our way. Um, I just expected it one day later, basically, and maybe with some more solidified guidelines, but it had been pretty clear that it was going to come down in the form of recommendations rather than orders. Right. Uh, And you saw some general recommendations, recommendations to wear cloth face masks, to social distance, that kind of stuff. There was also kind of a a small, um, like, key that differentiated some low risk to moderate risk to high risk activities. Uh, some high risk ones being, you know, gatherings of 50 or more people, um, gatherings of 10 to 50 people being high risk, uh, that kind of stuff. But Sue also pointed to some other guidelines that have been set forth by a couple different places. So four sets of guidelines were kind of pointed to in this press release. The Wisconsin Economic Development Council, the CDC, the Wisconsin Department of Health Services, and OSHA. So those were kind of the four places to look for guidelines, both on what should I do at my business that I'm opening up? What should I do as, you know, a person in the community? All that kind of stuff. What do you think about this kind of like a uh, cornucopia approach, just gathering all of the information that we have and saying like, all right, go for it, use this, rather than maybe a more unified message? Well, I think public health is trying to be as clear as possible from their standpoint without making laws. Basically, it came down to if Brown County isn't going to have something enforced there, and Kiwani County isn't going to have something there, and then throughout the rest of the state, you're going to have maybe Milwaukee and Madison have pretty pretty strong lockdowns. It, it became increasingly clear that it was going to be very hard to effectively enforce things in Door County if, if all these visitors were coming up from places that had nothing. Um, so it came down to kind of a mirror of what Brown County was saying. And then within the local municipalities, there's been talk about particular villages and towns instituting um, an ordinance to require masks for businesses and for um, customers. But again, it it came down to the same thing. Like, all right, if it's already confusing enough with 72 different counties, how are we going to then suddenly have, say, Town of Gibraltar has an ordinance, but then Sister Bay doesn't and Ephraim doesn't. And 
heck, most of the locals don't know where the town borders are, let alone the visitors coming up here. So, all right, I'm in Fish Creek. Now I got to have my mask out. Now I'm in Ephraim and it's not. Instead, it's almost more dispersed because it's left up to the individual businesses, right? So you have right. one business saying, um, we, we're going to require masks and one saying no and um, one suggesting, one requiring. Um, it's uh, It's confusing, but I think... I don't want to make it sound too confusing because there are a lot of businesses kind of coming together with a similar message. Even if there's not like one rule, there is a general thrust from businesses of like, we're going to be cautious. We're going to be safe. We've got ads in the pulse right now from businesses that would normally advertise pictures of their food and their half page ads all about what they're doing to sanitize and clean their their restaurant and make you feel safe. So right. um, by and large, the businesses up here are, are working really hard to to do things as safely as possible. That's what I'm seeing as well. So I, I know that you've been talking to a lot of different business owners and trying to get an idea of what they are looking to do for the season. What, what's kind of the the overall message that you're getting? Of course, businesses are being cautious and that's kind of the prevailing message, but are you getting a sense that there's going to be a lot of businesses that are requiring masks from their customers? Or are you seeing that it's really focusing on their employees, keeping them safe, that kind of stuff first, and then maybe recommending masks? What What are you seeing in your in your talks with people? Um, I talked to one business owner last night who said <laughs> something kind of interesting. He's like, like, all right, if we're not going to require masks, and, and we require them as a business for our employees to keep them healthy, and, and we're doing that to in large part, keep the employee, the customer safe, but then the customer doesn't wear masks. So they're not doing their part to keep our employees safe. Like what's the whole point? So there's some of that confusion and discussion going on. Um, but I, you know, I don't know if it's, I wonder what the number would be if it's like one out of three businesses that are saying they require masks. It might not even be that many. I know still a lot of places aren't going to open yet. Um, many that do open are going curbside or pickup only, even throughout Sister Bay, um, many businesses still just going to do curbside on Memorial Day weekend. So right. when you think about that, um, it's a lot of money to sacrifice, especially for people who have bars who would normally just, you know, have those bars full all weekend long. Impressive just to see so many people err on the side of caution. Part of that is the apprehension and in some cases fear on the part of the business owner and their employees of, hey, we don't, we don't want to get slammed here. We don't want to have our first day dealing with this with an open dining room is one of the busier weekends of the year. Like that, right. that scares the crap out of them, quite honestly. You know, we've talked a lot about like what businesses are doing to prepare, but the other side of the coin is like what, uh, what visitors and what residents are thinking about this whole season. And Destination Door County just did a travel sentiment survey that they sent out to 230,000 people from their database and they they published the results of that just asking a bunch of questions about like are you planning on coming up to door county this summer uh are you planning on postponing your trip have you canceled your trip what do you think about masks all that kind of stuff what are some of the key takeaways from this survey that you found miles that you found interesting well of these like door county visitor bureau has a or sorry destination door county has a pretty massive email list of a couple hundred thousand people so this goes to a a lot of people that have, and, and but in this particular survey, about so 10,000 respond. That is, you know, of all those people, there are a lot of people that might have come to Door County once, and, or they might be people who come back 20 times a year. So it's a diverse. Or have never come to Door County. Yeah. So it's a diverse group of potential travelers. So it's not like these are people who, like, normally I would come to Door County 
every other week, every single year, or I would come to Door County every year. So it shouldn't be based on like, when you look at the numbers, it shouldn't be based on like, wow, normally it would be a hundred people, hundred percent of people intend to come to Door County this year. And now it's so low. Like we don't right. know what that baseline is, but, um, of this, 43% of respondents still said they int- would intend to travel to Door County this year. Um, so that's, you know, just the fact that it's not like 5% <laughs> is pretty encouraging to me that a lot of people still plan to travel, plan to do it safely, um, and still see Door County as that destination. Right. Well, and even like if you're looking at these numbers and you're trying to like guess, like, are these representative of what we might see? 43% of what would you say, 2 million unique visitors in a summer or in a season? Is that kind of the, the, the number on the street? It's still, you know, just a little less than a million people. It's, it's half, but it's still a decent tourism season, right? And even if this is the low end of the, of the number, considering that it's, you know, 10,000 out of 200,000 people responded to this, uh, it, it still gives a promising look that people will still come, right? Like, that's the other thing. As, as scary as it is to, to say, like, come on up to Door County, we also need people to come on up to Door County because otherwise our businesses won't survive. Right? Yeah, yeah, we kind of need some money so, in our pockets. Right. So uh, I think it's encouraging, the numbers on here. There were also some questions about masks and uh, if if you want, or if it's important to you that workers are wearing masks, if it's important to residents that visitors are wearing masks. And there were some interesting numbers in there too. So nearly 75% of respondents says that it was important, very important, or extremely important to have workers wear face coverings, which I think is interesting. And 72% of respondents said it was important that visitors have face coverings. So a a lot of people in support of masks this season. Yeah. And you know, that's, that was higher than I expected because Me just too. from what I've seen just bouncing around the last couple of weeks and um, that might even be higher than the local response. <laughs> um, right. So that just, it, that gives a little support to those businesses who are asking for masks. Like that is what the majority, the vast majority of their potential co- consumers want them to be doing um, and want their, their fellow visitors to be doing, which is, that's good. It makes you... It maybe can give you some perspective on the people who are going to be jerks about it. Like it lets you know that that's not the majority of people. Um, right. It, it's a vocal minority that you're seeing online is what I would assume right away. Uh, but the the other unfortunate side of it is I would say that there is probably a, a correlation, even if it's slight, of people who are against wearing face masks into a business that's requiring it and people who are going to get aggressive with the workers there. I, I think that there's probably a correlation in those two things. So it becomes a really challenging thing for things for businesses because if you're requiring guests to wear a mask, the odds are pretty high that you're going to come up you're going to come away from the season with at least one confrontation that isn't very fun. And I would assume it's probably going to be more than that. <laughs> probably one a day. Um, sure. The there's another a couple other things like nine out of ten said that they would be willing to wear face covering. So even if seven out of ten say they think it should be required, another two out of those ten are saying I don't think it should be required, but I'm I'm fine doing it. So nine out of ten are in that group of the people who responded to a survey. Also, you got to discount for people who actually respond to surveys. Maybe a lot of the people who are really vehement about this are not the type of people that would respond to a survey, or maybe they're more likely to, who knows? Um, The uh, other thing that was interesting, and this goes back to conversations that um, we have all the time in Door County when national conditions change. So if 
you know, when gas prices spike, there's always that debate is like, is that good for Door County or bad for Door County? When they're after 9-11, there was a big discussion like, how is this going to hit us with the economic downturn in 07? Would this crush Door County and take away vacation dollars or would it help Door County because people weren't spending on big vacations, but still wanted that nearby one? Um, the sentiment survey indicates it's kind of that latter where 45% of people still say, I intend to travel. I'm comfortable traveling. But 59% say they're comfortable traveling to Door County. So Right. That's interesting. Yeah. So fully like almost a quarter, 25% more people are saying, I would travel to Door County, but I wouldn't necessarily feel tra- comfortable traveling in general. So that's a, that's a really good sign. And part of that goes to the work that people in Door County have done to keep the virus down. Because when people look at Door County right now, they see low numbers. They see... Um, low cases, not a lot of deaths. They see a, a county that, um, you know, maybe for some people, it they, they think we took it too seriously. But in general, they see a county that took it seriously and kept people safe. And so they feel safe coming here. Right. Uh, any other major takeaways from this survey? Like, just how are you feeling just as Miles? Like, how are you feeling as as just a person looking at the data? What do you think this season is going to look like? What do you hope it looks like? Well, I talked to some lodging folks this week and early, like as of last weekend and early in this week, they were telling me, yeah, it's still, we don't have a lot of bookings for the weekend, um, for Memorial Day weekend. And then now they, just a couple I talked to this morning and last night were saying, yeah, we're starting to get calls. We're, we got a couple of reservations. We got a couple more calls. The phone started ringing. Um, it seems like, especially with the weather looking nice. There's just been a lot more action on that front. And then I, I also heard anecdotally for, from some people who uh, do vacation home rentals that they got a ton of inquiries and bookings in the last few days. And that would make sense. Like if you are skittish about travel, and this is, I don't want to say this, my dad's in the lodging industry, so he's going to give me crap for saying this. But um, if you're skittish about travel, one thing that might make you skittish is, okay, I'm in a big motel with 40 other families renting individual rooms and common spaces. And now I've got to think about all those things. Whereas maybe you go, oh, I'm going to rent a home and it's just my family in there. Now, right. those, the cleanliness standards in a vacation home, just, I, I know this, I think it's not at the same level all the time. Like I don't want to make a blanket statement, but like a hotel has to, you know, you have like your own workforce that's doing all your standards. <laughs> um, whereas like a vacation home, maybe not. But you might just have cleaners who come in for the day kind of thing instead of like your staff that's there every single day doing the same thing. So there's some things you got to weigh and balance in there, but I could totally see people at least at the outset of this being maybe more inclined to do a vacation home rental versus a, a large hotel or maybe like a small hotel versus a large hotel kind of thing. Right. That's pure speculation. If you take into consideration the data on and what little data we have, arguably, on how the virus is transmitted, um, like on surfaces, how long it lives on surfaces, that kind of stuff, I could see you maybe maybe foregoing a big hotel or resort this season and feeling safer in a smaller one, despite the cleanliness things. Like if you're if you believe that the virus dies on a surface after three days, then maybe it's just like, hey, when was the last time you were in the Airbnb? Oh, it was last week. I feel totally safe going in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean I, it just it depends on the data that you are comfortable with. And I'm still I'm not as I'm not as concerned as some about the surfaces, um, just because we haven't seen a lot of documentation of hardcore evidence that that's been a transmission hot point. Um, right. 
And plus, if you're going into a restaurant, I, I think I've said this before, but like some people, will, they always point to a restaurant. I got food poisoning from this place. And um, generally, most restaurants clean your clean their kitchens multiple times a day better than any time in the year that you clean your own. <laughs> um, everything's getting bleached down. Um, even the tables, you're, you're wiping them down. You're using um, sanitizer on them all the time anyway. Your dishes are being... Um, sent through a dishwasher that blasts them with the hottest water and, and hottest heat possible. So there's, I'm less inclined to be concerned about the services and more inclined to be concerned about large gatherings in indoor spaces for prolonged periods of time. Right. It's that it's the transmission of contaminated droplets. That's the thing to worry about right now. Not necessarily like your groceries in the bag. And there's been a lot of articles written about like the risk levels of certain activities and what you might feel comfortable with. And I, I would say that most of them that I've seen have seen surfaces being pretty low. Yeah. It's the gatherings, even the small ones with people like going to see your dad like that. Yeah, that's a, a a moderate risk thing, and it has to be something that you weigh out. Like, am I comfortable with this? Are we both comfortable with this? Hang, hanging out in my hanging out in my parents' tiny house for a couple hours is not something I do. <laughs> um, right. Just I'm out a little bit, and the, I just could not live with myself. And it turned out that they, they got sick, and it could have been me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll go to my parents' house, and we hang out outside more often than not. Yeah. Yeah, hanging out outside, keeping some social distancing in there. I, I think that that's totally safe. I mean, we're going to see a lot of businesses get creative with their outdoor seating this season. I oh, yeah. The, um, I saw the Blue Ox is setting up a outdoor bar behind their bar, which I'm kind of excited to check out, um, you know, in a month when I can do that. Right. <laughs> the the chop dining up in Sister Bay has kind of sprawled some tables all along the out, the, the front of their uh, establishment so people can order and then sit outside in, well spaced um another thing i should mention is like sister bay there's a lot of if people haven't been here stabur has been doing a lot of work i think they are hustling like crazy right now trying to get everything prepared and open for the weekend laying down some astroturf and finishing up their their retail building i don't think it's going to be close to open for this weekend but that's coming along fast the door hotel not going to be open this summer but the progress on that has moved rapidly and Husby's new um, expanded garage bar area is well underway. Not close to being open, I don't think, for this weekend. But um, yeah, you're going to see some some new enhancements in Sister Bay. Right. Yeah, I, I think that that's the thing to be the most excited about is the innovations that businesses are doing. So if a business expands their outdoor seating this season in order to accommodate the safety of their guests, who's to say that that it just isn't a successful thing anyway and doesn't stick around? So next year when you come to Door County, things might look different and might be more about getting outside and eating outside and kind of taking in the natural beauty in that way, more so than they already are. I mean, he, there's a lot of outdoor eating options up here already, but you might see that kind of blow up this season. Yeah. Um, there's talk of like an entertainment district kind of thing down in Sturgeon Bay, far from coming to fruition, I would say at this point. But like, yeah, it took 25 years of slow incremental steps for people to start embracing outdoor dining. And now it's just like, okay, we got this virus. It's going to push everything forward in, in like rapid fashion. So. Right. So we have uh, an interview with Bob Atwell from Nicolay Bank that I want to jump into real quick. But before we, we wrap up on this, I, I guess the big question that I have is given the data that you're seeing from like this survey and what you're hearing from different businesses, 
are you encouraging guests to bring a mask with them to Door County? Like, do you think that that's at least a good idea? Or do you think that if you don't bring a mask, you're not really going to come up against that too often? What do you think? I think everybody should bring a mask. Um, be prepared to wear it anytime you go out. It's it's a simple thing to do to be kind to the people who have to work and serve you and make them more happy to see you. And I, I think you're just going to have a better experience because... Yes, one place may not require it, but as you walk down the street, the next place might. And you don't like just don't have that awkward thing. You just have the mask available and pop it on. And if, if you know, I, I wear mine as much as I can whenever I, I remember. So I try to have a couple of them around. So, yeah, I would definitely tell anybody, like, br- be prepared to bring your mask with you. It's, you're going to have a better time if you do. Yeah, that would be that's exactly the messaging that I want to hit on, too, is you're just going to have a better time if you bring it up. You're going to be able to, like go into more places and the places that you go into, you're going to have a better experience there anyway. Yep. So even, even if it's like just appealing to the idea that it's just cumbersome or burdensome to wear one, if you bring it, you're probably going to enjoy your door County vacation more than you would otherwise. Yep. So, uh, why don't we jump into this interview with Bob Atwell from Nicolay bank? You guys talked about some micro loans that they had given out. We had just had uh, Lieutenant governor Mandela Barnes talk about some micro loans at the, or some grant programs at the state level, but Nicolay bank was offering micro loans on their own too. Can you give me a little bit of a, a, a glimpse at what we're going to hear from Bob? Yeah, Bob Atwell, the president and CEO of Nicolay bank. He uh, joined us to talk about the, the micro grants, not not loans. These are grants of up to five thousand dollars that they gave away five hundred thousand dollars in these grants to Door County businesses. Um, so these are small grants for small businesses that um, didn't qualify for the payroll protection program and didn't have kind of that massive infrastructure to quickly adapt and and apply for all this money and get the paperwork together. But that he was saying are the backbone of what Nicolay Bank Bank's business is. So um, he just kind of laid that out and, and talked a little bit about um, what those businesses are facing and what the bank is facing. And we're going to have maybe a longer conversation with him in, uh, in the days ahead, just about um, what the future, we have to be prepared for what the future might look like here. Great. Well, we will jump into that shortly. Miles, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Good to talk. Okay, so go ahead. Explain to me what the microgrant program uh, was and how that idea originated. Yeah, so let me start with the PPP or Payroll Protection Plan. Um, that was part of the first stimulus uh, effort, and, it, and what it is is through the SBA Small Business Administration, uh, you know, kind of an unprecedented program where. Uh, people are able to borrow money at a one percent rate, and then based on their use of that funds, uh, all or a portion of it literally could be forgivable. Principal amount could be forgivable, and um, so this was a, a, a fairly aggressive program that was targeted very much at small business, and um, in in a very simple process where uh, these businesses needed to go to their bank and. Um, file an application basically uh, representing that that the funds are needed and uh, very you know very kind of minimal uh, documentation and the SBA used the banking system to to get this uh, money out the door and in the hands of people who are trying to stay alive trying to meet payroll trying to deal with with uh, with you know very challenging circumstances so the PPP program was really a government-run program distributed through the banks and 
in our case, uh, um, we rolled out $340 million of PPP loans across our northern Wisconsin um, uh, locations, which is really all of where our locations are. And, uh, and that was the 2,400 different uh, small businesses, small business being up to 500 employees. So that was uh, hopefully it's going to function based on the forgiveness. So about 100 million of that, I'm estimating, I don't have the exact number, but 100 million of that 340 million went into Door County area. And uh, I'm hopeful that up to 60% of that will be forgivable. You know, the, it's kind of a rapidly evolving situation with the SBA in terms of guidelines, but based on the amount of it you use for payroll, and it's not a perfect program, there were some problems with it. Uh, but I'm hopeful that across that whole customer base of 100 million ish that went into Door County, uh, 60% of that's forgivable. That's a $60 million equity investment, you know, really facilitated by the banks, by, by Nicolay specifically. And, and, and $60 million really equity injection into, into this distress situation. So it's not a total answer to everything. So we participated very aggressively in that. And, uh, but what we found as we were going through that, and I, I totally credit Mike Daniels, my, my partner in founding the bank, uh, mm-hmm. Mike and Brad Hutchins, our chief credit officer, realized that this isn't working real well for micro businesses. I mean, by micro, I mean businesses that wouldn't qualify for any more than $5,000 of PPP funds. The, the documentation, often the businesses, you know, aren't, aren't, don't have great records, uh, and, and and are generally not very financially kind of, you know, they're busy running their business. So we just decided this is too complicated. It's not going to, it's too much paperwork for them and it's going to be too much paperwork for us. We're just going to give those companies uh, that are applying for uh, 5000 or less, we're just going to grant them the money. So uh, over the course of about three weeks, and when I say grant them the money, it's not government money, it's Nicolay money. And, uh, hmm. and o- over the course of... Uh, uh, three weeks, we processed uh, a lot of these grants and did a million, one million two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of grants. And I saw the breakout by region recently, and the Door County amount of that was five hundred thousand. So uh, I don't know of another bank in the country that's doing that, but uh, this was money that went directly into the hands of micro businesses, no questions asked, no terms of repayment. It's a grant. Um, you know, why would we do that? Is that the question? You want to yeah, answer? I mean, that's <laughs> obviously that's a big outlay of, yeah. of cash right into people's hands that you, that you're not getting back. So, what's the thinking there yeah, from the, the bank's perspective? I'm I'm sure there's like a business component and an, a community component. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well, for a business, I mean, I mean, when we tell people and we tell ourselves this more than we tell other people, the purpose of our organization is to serve our customers. It doesn't mean we do everything for free or do whatever they want. It means that we understand that when we're thinking about how our operation runs, everything we do has to start with what is going on with our customers. And when you realize the situation in these businesses, and when you hold in your mind that every dime we've ever made in our company comes out of the work of our customers. Uh, Yes, the business people themselves, the owners, but also the people who work in those businesses. We we don't make food at Nicolet. We don't manufacture, we don't drive trucks, we don't teach, you know, we don't teach children. We don't, you know, we might be firefighters in, in rural areas. <laughs> uh, but but um, we we facilitate activity. And so this is just a recognition of the reality of our dependence on our customer base and the trust that they place in us. And it's our desire to fulfill uh, that responsibility, um, both as a matter of um, idealism, which we sincerely mean, but also just the reality of our 
our business our business is not going to be any healthier than the community that we serve in the long run. So it's just, you know, this is not a time for us to be pinching pennies. There's a lot of work to do to get back on, on to get our region back on its feet. And this is what was needed in the moment. So I'm, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be more proud of our people for seeing the situation, responding to it. I guess I can say that because it wasn't my idea. It was Mike's and, <laughs> and it was our, it was our lenders who, who, and our branch managers uh, uh, throughout our locations who, figured out who needed it, reached out to people often. Um, it was only for our customers. Um, I mean, we, we can't, we can't be a source of refuge for every bank's customers. <laughs> uh, but you know, and if, you know, if I could, if I'm not rambling too much, I just want to say that, you know, we have an extraordinarily high market share in Door County, like well over 60%. And it's actually increased since we bought Pay Lake. And what that is, is an extraordinary amount of trust that the county has placed in us to understand what's happening and to have our communities be better for our presence. And um, we're very aware, we've been aware from the beginning of, 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 the, of, of the acquisition of Bay Lake that, that we have a responsibility and, 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 and uh, to, to um, honor the trust that's been placed. Well, thanks for being here now and for all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.